The artist Clarice Cliff literally broke the mould with her innovative ceramics, but there's never been a film about her, until now. Here's Claire McCarthy, the director of the awards contender The Colour Room. I think we were striving to, to demonstrate a kind of genuine exploration of the complexities of the workplace environment for women. She's not a woman that's wearing high heels and happens to be a goddess as well as a superhero. We're talking about an everyday woman who had a talent and a vision and she just didn't take no for an answer. And what could be more punk rock than that? I just think she's awesome. I also talked to The Colour Room's writer and its two producers in this special episode of Girls on Film. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I'm going to get that gun of mine, and I'm going to change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. Some people call me a freak. I hate that word. I don't believe in it. Better yet, I don't believe in labels. You know, I think you're the only girl in the world that can stand on a stage with a spotlight in her eye and still see a diamond inside a man's pocket. Because I'm up at five every morning working my ass off. Does someone want to just tell me to my face you're never going to give me the scores I deserve? Hello, I'm Anna Smith and welcome to Girls on Film. This episode is in partnership with Sky Cinema, who are currently showing The Colour Room, a fantastic feminist period drama. The film has been long-listed for Outstanding British Film at the 2022 British Academy Film Awards. It stars Phoebe Dinover as Clarice Cliff, a determined working-class woman in 1920s Stoke-on-Trent. This place is amazing. Whose vision revolutionised the factory workplace. Please behave yourself. Amir is a designer. I hope you're trained in tea making. Clarice! Every blessed day. <laughs> I have ideas. How many women modelers do you see? You've got some talent. Mm. I'm now joined by the director, Claire McCarthy, writer, Claire Pete, and the Caspian Films producers, Tembisa Cochran and Georgie Paget. So welcome to you all to Girls on Film. Girls on Film. Yeah, yeah, you can sing that. We always love that. Oh, Claire's the most fantastic singer. I would recommend that. No. Just from what I heard there, that was wonderful. She sings in the film. <laughs> Only by necessity. I'm going to ask you each to introduce yourselves to the listeners and explain a bit more about who you are. Claire McCarthy first. Welcome. Hi. Thanks, Anna. Uh, my name's Claire McCarthy. I'm the director of The Colour Room. And yes, I made a film recently called Ophelia. I've also made a couple of projects for television, uh, series called Domina for Sky and before that a series for working title BBC called The Luminaries with Evergreen and Eve Hewson. I've made a couple of other features, one called The Waiting City, which was shot on location in Calcutta in India, and an adaptation of Tim Winton's The Turning, starring Rose Byrne and Miranda Otto. And I'm also a painter. And with all those female-focused projects, you are very qualified to be on Girls on Film, and I'm a big fan of all of those. So, yeah, great to have you on the show. Thank you. Claire Pete, obviously you wrote The Colour Room. Please introduce yourself to the listeners. Yes, yeah, I'm a novelist turned screenwriter, so I've had four novels published, and then I decided to adapt one. Um, and then I ended up writing The Colour Room instead, and I was told, don't write period, don't write period drama. There's absolutely no one will want it. Write a police crime drama. <laughs> I wrote it anyway. <laughs> Um, because I loved it. And uh, yeah, this is my first film. Tenvisa, you are our producer number one. 
tell us more about yourself and your company. They're both than number one. They're both number yeah. one. You're, you're number one in mine. You can have it. You can have it. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, um, yeah. So I've, I'm, you know, one of the producers and founders at Caspian Films with Georgie, and we've. Um, so this is our second film together at Caspian Films. Our first one was Us Among the Stones with Dick Tinnerhood, which was also a very beautiful film, close to our hearts. And prior to that, I used to work for a company called Spear Films, and that was an international company with a bunch of different features. And probably the one that people most know me for is a film called The Harvesters, which was in Cannes in 2018. And... Um, very different from the colour room. <laughs> and Georgie, welcome. I know you're a listener, so it's especially great to have you on, although hopefully you're all listeners. Thanks, Anna. Yeah, I'm genuinely so thrilled. Um, huge career milestone for me. Um, so thank you very much for, for having us all. Yeah, my name's Georgie Paget. I'm the other half of uh, Caspian Films. And yeah, we have a track record thus far of making films directed by women, very much female-centric. And um, actually, even before I think uh, Tim Beeson and I had worked together at Caspian Films, we were both really looking to make films directed by women, written by women, female-centric. Um, the feature I made before Caspian Films was uh, a documentary called Queens of Syria, directed by the fantastic Yasmin Feather. So yeah, that's that's very much our, our kind of remit. Very girls on film again. I love it. Women working together. And it's so great to have four women who've worked on a project about an amazing woman. As you know, I love this film. It's a beautiful story. So I wanted to start by asking each of you, starting with Claire McCarthy, why you wanted to tell this story. Well, I felt like Clarice was a story that, although I knew her work, I didn't really know that much about it. I didn't know she was a working class girl from a small town in Stoke. I was ashamed to say I didn't really know that much about the Staffordshire Potteries and the kind of, I guess, the economic crisis that was happening at that time in history. And I felt it was such a brilliant intersection. Claire's script was brilliant. And she sort of captured this spirit of this woman who kind of took this disadvantage of being a kind of marginalised voice in a factory industrial environment and kind of turned it into an opportunity to uh, take work and pieces of whiteware that had been discarded and, and kind of upcycle them. And her innovation, her sense of, I guess, almost like a punk rock kind of irreverence kind of really pulled me in. And I felt that it was a, a really interesting uh, chapter of British history, but also she was shepherding in modernity, um, her kind of flair, her revolutionary approaches to the workplace, the way she elevated women, the way she kind of found these little loopholes. I found her really cheeky and um, brilliant. And I thought that this could be the basis of a great movie. Well, it certainly was. Thank you, Claire. And let's turn to the other Claire, Claire Pete, the writer. Um, tell me why you wanted to tell this story, because as Claire said, what a fantastic woman. Yeah, nice word, Claire. I like cheeky. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I grew up in Derby, um, had a lot to do with the potteries, Stoke-on-Trent and um, Royal Crown Derby and so on. And I know it as a very masculine, industrial landscape. And I'd been bought a little bit of Clarice Cliff when I was a teenager by my mum. And I loved it. And I had no idea where this came from, you know, from this super masculine, super grey world. And it just intrigued me. And, and the more I dug into Clarice's story, the more I realised it made no sense to me. How could this woman achieve this when... Every single odds are against her, you know, her, her gender, her class, her, you know, everything was against her and yet she succeeded. And you think, well, this is a great story for our time too. You know, we've got so much stacked against us sometimes because of where we're from, because of who we are, you know, and this is the story of someone that pushed through all of that. And also it's a story of a working class woman. And I think we often see period dramas and it's people with money, 
people in beautiful situations. And I wanted to tell a story of a working class woman in a very unbeautiful, but, but it has its own beauty situation, you know, and I think it's, it's something I hadn't seen. And I couldn't believe it when I started digging in that no one had made a film of it before. And it suddenly struck me as a Midlands woman. Well, maybe it's my story to write and, and maybe I'm give myself permission to do it. Well, I'm glad you did. And um, Fembisa, coming to you about why you want to tell this story, were you also surprised when you found out no one had made this before? Yeah, to be honest, I wasn't that surprised because I didn't really know who Clarice Cliff was when I first read the script. But um, then, you know, I realised after talking to other people about it, you know, I realised that actually there are a lot of people who do know who she is and do know her work, but don't know her story. We've met a hell of a lot of people who say, oh, yes, yeah, no, I know Clarice Cliff, but they don't know her story, which is also super inspiring and so related to her work because she found a joy, like in a time, as everyone's saying, when that's an art in itself, is just to find a way to make your life brighter and to bring beauty and joy into spaces that might otherwise not have that. And, you know, for me, I'm I'm South African, but I remember often going to townships and from the outside, you think, oh, man, that you know, that's grim. What a way to live. But you go in and people have covered their walls with magazines and color you know so we love this idea that Clarice must have been the same sort of person she found color she found it in the flowers she found it in the magazines you know I remember one of the first chats we had with Claire McCarthy about the script one of the things that really made me think oh she gets it and she's going to be the right director for this was when she just said oh you know it's the life that's bursting out of it and the script as well you know when I first read it that's what drew me to the project at the end of the day was that you could hear in Claire Pete's voice as well this joy for life and both Claire's and Georgie, you know, they're all people like that. They're women like that as well. These are the women I know is the women who kind of go, oh, let's find something, you know, let's make it beautiful. Let's make it joyous. Let's share it, you know. So that was the attraction to it. Oh, that's wonderful. I can hear the joy in your voices talking about it. It's lovely. I say we stop playing it safe. Thicker strokes and colour. Be careful, Miss Claire. Don't misinterpret my brother's attentions. If we sell directly to women, we'd be leading the way in the potteries. The modern woman will not want tat. The modern woman is forward-looking, not backward-looking. You have harmed our factory, and you have harmed our family. I won't give up. Ready? The Clara's Cliff I know sets her own path. Oh, we will prevail, ladies. Georgie, let's come to you. Now, you were kind of aware of Clarice when you discovered this project, right? Yeah, I mean, as much as I was aware of her work, but again, really didn't know anything about her, which is kind of frustrating, I think, because you know, there's a couple of biographies, um, a fantastic one by Lynn Knight, for example, but as is so often the case with women historically, and particularly working class women who perhaps don't have you know, an ancestry you can look up online, um, very, very little is written about them. I mean, even trying to find photographs of Clarice or her family growing up for research, uh, very, very few. Um, her story just wasn't documented in that way. But obviously, there's a, an amount that we know about her career and, and what she did. But I 
I just loved the fact that she was this person who, because there wasn't a path for her um, that she, you know, wanted to take, she could have had this life where she painted cups, probably beautifully, um, you know, for her whole working life. And that was what she did. But she had so much more to offer than that. And uh, not just for herself, but she very much brought the women and the rest of the factory around her up with her. Um, She created this working environment that was exciting, uh, where people could uh, engage in new ideas. Um, Even just the the way that she set up her factory and her paint shop. You know, she had people working with the radio in the background, which might seem really normal now. Back then, it was about the most revolutionary thing you could do in a workplace. Um, You know, she really cared about people having fun at work. There's a brilliant quote that I think Claire Pete introduced us to really early on that just kind of encapsulated Clarice for us, which is, um, she said in an interview, um, you know, does it make me any less of an artist if I have a little bit of fun at work? And I just remember thinking how great to have that perspective. Um, She very much was, you know, an entrepreneur. She really helped bring her factory through the depression and uh, bringing joy to be your mantra. I just thought, wow, yeah, that's someone I want to make a film about for sure. It's a mantra for us all. I love it. Claire Peake, when you were researching her for the screenplay, um, tell me more about what you discovered. Did anything really surprise or shock you? I think it's surprising how much is still there in Stoke-on-Trent. So I obviously spent a lot of time in Stoke walking the streets, going to the factories, going to Middleport, going to Gladstone. And there's so much still to be seen. You know, it's a great location. We went to Emma Bridgewater and we did painting, you know, and I took my kids and my husband and my kids said it was the best holiday they've ever had oh. <laughs> in Stoke-on-Trent, which, you know, it says a lot about Stoke. And, you know, I think Stoke is so proud of its heritage and it made it easier as well as a filming location. Although it was filmed in Stoke, Birmingham and Leek, we could film at premises, you know, and that really gave it a vibrancy and an authenticity as well. Claire McCarthy, we have to now talk about the casting because what a fantastic cast you've assembled and of course in the central role I mean what an incredible performance here talk to me about why she was right for this. Phoebe is brilliant and she really from the very get-go off the back of Bridgerton which hadn't quite been released when Phoebe came to our attention I was familiar with her work but hadn't seen Bridgerton yet but we kind of anticipated that it was going to be a big hit and based upon her previous work Phoebe and I had a few chats and our very, very first chat was under the shadow of several Clarice Cliff um, jugs and vases that her father collects and it just seemed serendipitous that she knew of Clarice and again, like us, didn't know the details of her life. But the thing that struck me about Phoebe is that she's she's very thoughtful and she really wants to disappear into the role and being able to work collaboratively I think is so important, that relationship between a director and an actor, particularly when you're creating a character that although we sort of had a a bit of a get-out-of-jail-free card in that people didn't necessarily know Clarice. She's not beloved in a kind of public forum kind of way, but it it felt really important to us (laughs) as the filmmakers to capture the spirit of Clarice, to breathe life and literally colour into that world. And Phoebe just felt like she was really uh, poised to pivot differently to where she'd been, um, her experience on Bridgerton. She was really hungry for a really director-actor relationship and she really wanted to dive into Clarice and even thinking about her physicality, the way she moves, the way she, you know, was quite happy to sort of let her hair look a bit mad 
uh, stripping her face of all makeup. Like, it really wasn't the kind of glamour girl that we understand, even though I think she looks gorgeous in the film. It was really about pulling away from a lot of the kinds of glamour girl kind of things that that Phoebe and she was certainly up for everything and very brave in that way. Would either of our producers like to talk about the rest of the cast because it's a fantastic ensemble really isn't it Tabisa? Yeah I mean we love them so much. (laughs) Every time I think while we were casting every time a new person came on board we were like wow this is amazing. (laughs) Yeah I mean we were just absolutely thrilled with the cast that our fantastic casting director Nanny Rollins helped us assemble obviously starting with Phoebe then casting uh, the role of Collie Shorter opposite her with wonderful Matthew I think that's such a it's such a fantastic pairing I think that really works on screen but it's it's a tough one to cast because in real life the age difference between Clarice and Collie was the exact same as it is between Phoebe and Matthew but you know it's quite a thing to cast a relationship where there is an age gap and you want to make it believable and uh, you know not feel particularly so I think a modern audience um, perhaps unusual or strange and I just think the way that Matthew brought just a wonderful kind of humour and um, kind of joy a sort of eccentricity all of these things to the role of Collie it just worked so well as uh, as the creative um, and intellectual um, partnership that um, that I think by all accounts you know they were. How dare you I've just told you not to. Uh... You made it. Stole or like. Why? It's rough the clay I gripped from the floor based on French silverware I saw it in a magazine. Well, it's rather... It's rather good. Mm. But themed, nonetheless. So, if I'd have asked for the scraps, would you have said yes? Could have tried, young lady. One should always ask. Uh, what, what, what do you work in? What, what, what does she do? Lithographer, sir. Lithography's not all I've got, sirs. I went to night school at Tunstall, a scholarship, and I've been a painter at Z and a bander at Grinley, and a gilder at Lingard. So nobody will love you, then? You tired, isn't it? No, sir. No, I'm getting to know the industry. I'm trying my hand so I can work out how to make the ideas that I come up with. Vases like this one. Hmm. You've got some talent, I'll say that for you. It wasn't just a love story, it was very much a, a meeting of minds on every level, which um, I think uh, the two of them really, really convey. Um, but I mean, I could talk about the cast for, for hours and hours, but yeah, I would just say, I mean, someone like uh, Kerry Fox, for example, um, coming on board to play Anne Cliff, um, again, someone who not terribly much is known about, but was quite literally Victorian, you know, she was born in um, the previous century. Absolutely, yes. She's probably born in about the 1870s. And how did she feel about her daughter having this life and doing these things, having the effect? with the factory owner creating these pieces taking on the the workplace you know I think one of the great things is that Clara's actually lived at home until she was in her late 30s early 40s so she couldn't escape her mother the the, the two were pushed together and and you think well what was the situation like across the breakfast table what did they talk about what didn't they talk about what was left unsaid and so I love the way Carrie Fox has played her. So she's accepting of Clarice, but she's also at times just like, she doesn't know what to do with her because no one's been like Clarice before. No one's done these things. No one's dared. You know, Clarice has real audacity. But I think what's nice about Clarice and what Phoebe has really maintained in her performance is that Clarice diffused situations with humour and comedy and a lightness of touch. You warm to her. You like Clarice. You're rooting for her. So I think this comes across as well in the relationship between the mum and Clarice. On you go. 
It's nothing. Lithography's ruined those painter's hands. Mm. Hey, uh, the girls in lithography said someone got a formal warning yesterday. Clarith. It might not have been me. It was nothing. I'm getting in, Mum. And I'll learn more. I'm practicing modelling with a bit of clay left in my own head. How many women modellers do you see in Wilkinson's? I've got hands. I can model. In anywhere. <laughs> Maybe you're right. Maybe I should try kiln stacking at Wedgwood. And then Guinness Mead, Darcy, uh, David, Bill Patterson. Adrian Rawlins. Adrian Rawlins, yes. He'd actually worked in Hot Banks as a student. It was so much part of his heritage, you know, the story we were telling. So it was wonderful to, um, yeah, amass that um, fabulous cast. <laughs> so well said, Georgie. I, the other thing, too, that meant a lot to us was engaging local community, mm. all the players in the scenes. We have some fantastic, obviously, our key cast are brilliant. Collaborating with them was just a joy but making sure that the people that were in the frame, painting, sculpting, the modelling, they're all local people that literally have grown up or been second or third generation artisans from Stoke. And they were really generous in, you know, doing boot camp with our cast and making sure that they really understood what they were doing. I think making a film about the artistic process, you, you really got to get that stuff right. It has to have the investment from, from all the players. And it was obviously very difficult shooting during the second lockdown, but everyone was just so up for it. And our intention was for there to be an authenticity and a sense of really being in that place. And ultimately for it not to feel like a dusty kind of period drama, but for it to feel urgent and relevant to the kind of doldrums that we were currently in in that lockdown period that we wanted to be celebratory and have a sense of optimism ultimately in the movie, which I think the cornerstone for that was a brilliant cast and everyone striving for authenticity. Do you feel that this is a feminist story? Absolutely. I mean, I think it's a balanced story too. I think we celebrate, I mean, often films celebrate male experience and male artists are often given a lot of screen time and there's not that many films about women artists. And I felt like this film was not only a celebration of an incredible woman and an incredible artist, but also someone who found a really clever way to revolutionise the workplace and found a really interesting intersection of art and commerce at a time when it was really hard <laughs> to make work happen. She was a working class woman. She wasn't sort of from memes, which really attracted me to the project, that it wasn't an elitist story. It's a very grounded underdog story. Really, she had no right to be where she was and she kind of just busted through every door and ceiling. So I think in that sense, it certainly is a feminist narrative, but it's also a very human story, the relationship that she has with the people that are the custodians of taste and the ones that are, you know, going to give her access to the modelling shop, which is essentially the kind of brains trust of that factory world where she can finally have an opportunity to express her ideas. In many ways, it's as much about Clarice's drive as it was about the opportunity given to her by the men. So I think we were striving to to demonstrate a kind of genuine exploration of the complexities of the workplace environment for women. Collie was a businessman first and foremost and an opportunist and I think he wouldn't have given Clarice an opportunity because she was a woman. I think he gave her an opportunity because she was really, really good at what she did and I think he saw that that factory was going to shut and basically her capacity, her hunger and her vision managed to take them through 
to the other side and they were one of the only factories that survived the most difficult economic crisis of that time. So she's not a woman that's wearing high heels and happens to be a goddess as well as a superhero. We're talking about an everyday woman who had a talent and a vision and she just didn't take no for an answer. And what could be more punk rock than that? I just think she's awesome. I think it also, it shows that women do things differently. And, and I think so often we'll see something that's just got women shoehorned in, doing what a man would do in the way that a man would do it. Mm. And with this script, I really wanted to write it because it's so important that women just go about things a different way. And in the film, I got Clarice to say to Collie, I know your business differently to you. It's not necessarily better. She just sees things a different way. She markets things a different way. Initially, when the film starts, it's a very masculine world and the women sit in silence, isolated, working. Whereas what Clarice did is she got people talking, laughing. She got music on and she introduced fun. And because there was fun, it didn't mean that the work stopped. It didn't mean that there was any less quality. In fact, it was improved because people loved what they did. And a woman goes about things differently. And I hope this film shows that. And I love the fact that as well, you know, she looks at things from a marketing perspective differently and she knows mm. what actual women want. Mm. It's just a crazy situation, isn't it? That it was women doing the work and then it was sold by men to salesmen, to shopmen and then put in the shops and then eventually a woman would come and buy it. And it's like all those layers of men to get the product from creation to enjoyment. And, you know, what's good about Clarice is she stripped it right bare and said, you know, I can have go from manufacturer to end user, both of which are women. And, you know, we can streamline this whole process. So, Gordon, what's this plan of yours to save this industry? Well, the potteries need a higher ambition. Art and industry combined, modern art, for the table. Folks don't want new, they want what they've always had. But fancier and cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> Foreign imports are flooding the bottom end of the market. What we need are the potteries to be in their rightful place at the pinnacle of excellence. But if folks are buying the cheap stuff, then surely that's what they want. So we descend to the level of the foreign imports. That's our future as you see it, Miss Clare. Well, it's just I don't see as our folks want posher, pricier things, what we know we're having any money these days. Well, that's because the customer needs to be educated. What he's buying is an investment. It's an well, heirloom. But do folks really think like that these days? Where the potteries lead, everyone follows. Remember that, Miss Cliff. We set the standard. Yeah, I think just on that note, I think it's super important as well. I mean, it's a feminist film, but it isn't just about women being different. You know, now in the current world, it's about all different perspectives and just allowing other people who think differently from you uh, into the conversation, into positions of power. And that's obviously as filmmakers, you know, not an accident that we told the story. Like we completely understand the process of trying to make something for people like us. So all of us here on this conversation love this movie. This is a movie for us that we want to see. And the people making films aren't always people like us. And I think that goes beyond women to, you know, obviously conversations around diversity in general, basically. Yes. Also to add to that, I think the film attempts to explore who are the curators of taste, that everyone's entitled to beauty, everyone's entitled to fun. Everyone's entitled to be listened to and have their voice heard. And it's really an echo of the cultural revolution that we're experiencing now. But it, it happened in Stoke-on-Trent. Um, it's so lovely to talk to the four of you and see what a great working relationship you have. Um, and Georgie, uh, you and Temi set up your company specifically to highlight female stories. Talk to me about the joys 
of working with quite a female dominated team and what kind of difference that makes with no disrespect to the great men you also work with of course but it has a different dynamic right yes completely i mean shout out to all the fantastic male team members and allies that we've had making this film actually because i think that for us is a really exciting thing you know we're not making films just for women and just with women it's very much a team effort both on screen and off screen i mean i think uh, the way that um, both claire's have obviously written directed this film to really highlight particularly those two male allies that that Clarice had Fred Ridgway played by David Morrissey and that's such a wonderful sort of um, quasi-mentoring relationship and David always say that he didn't even see Fred as a mentor because Clarice was just good and it was very easy for for someone working as her senior to spot that and then support it and likewise Collie Shorter again I think spotted her talent and, and potential and um, it was the same, you know, behind the camera with Denson Baker, our fantastic DP, Damien Cree, um, our brilliant production designer. But I think having a, a really female team does make a difference. I think there's something rather wonderful in just quite simply women telling women's stories. Mm. I think that does definitely uh, give things a, a different feel. I mean, on the colour room, for example, our whole AD team were female, which is something that actually I've noticed Phoebe has brought up in interviews because she said for her that made things feel a little bit different. You've got women literally running the floor. You know, our editor was female as well, so that sort of helped. Hoping Chin. Yeah, Hoping Chin was brilliant. And, she, you know, we're so used to, we read so much about the male gaze and how um, women are captured. And it's just choosing, you know, which shots are the important ones here. And they don't involve the most leg. They involve, you know, like something else and so it just it kind of um but I think in the script writing process one of the things I loved about this little team of the four of us which was just so much fun I used to love our script meetings and you know one of the great things about that process was just that you can we can all share little things that we've you know ways that we've experienced patriarchy so for example the Gordon Forsyth character you know this wonderful mansplaining deluxe moment which honestly I've, I, like for us it was hilarious and we just loved it we were like yes let's oh, just yeah. have a mansplain <laughs> like let's literally have him say to her face this is what a modern woman wants and she's a modern woman standing listening to this you know and for us it's like oh my gosh yes we know that feeling let's put it in there and like other things you know with um, David Morrissey's character as well with Fred it's a very nuanced it's a complicated relationship because on one hand great he's a mentor and I find it super interesting that some people just read him as pure mentor pure good but there's a really dark side to that character which all four of us completely understood which is Mm. he tells her you've got to know when to stop and that's bad advice and she takes it and so for a minute there she's on the back foot and she actually fails because of her mentor because she listens to him the theme is baddies so so dick turpin long john silver guy fox that's very witty oh it's good what else I thought perhaps a female range. Dolby Jug's a male. Oh. oh but uh, I like uh, an auntie like that one. <laughs> Fred, I need you to cost up the new Oriflame range. Right, well, add two or three more villains and then maybe a hero's range and then you can start modelling. Right. For us, it was really clear. We were like, oh, yeah, that happens. You know, someone's really trying their best from a really good place. They just want to help you manage to stop you and actually make you fail. Yes, and that fundamentally they've underestimated you, which, you know, these gristly little bits I think are really important to understand that the subtle calibrations of the way that we do interact and the way that we are undermined and underestimated, not to trowel it on or slap it in someone's face. (laughs) That was never our intention just to quietly weave it in there, have a little joke, 
and go, no, we will not stop. Mm. The, the comedy, the, the, the very nice put down that you don't really, you, you come away from and go, oh, Oh, that was horrible. You just come away stinging and you're not quite sure why. And I love the way this film kind of subtly, as you say, points out that that's just not on, but in a comedic way and in a in an empathetic way. You're not painting the men as bad. You're just kind of gently trying to explain that's not cool. <laughs> Is there anything else from the kind of female feminist perspective that anyone wanted to talk about? I was just going to say, I would love to add just the way that Clarice encouraged and, and brought up other women with her. I was going to say the same thing. Oh, <laughs> well, I just think both Clarice have put that in the description the movie so beautifully that you know she wasn't alone she very much you know picked out this team of amazing women and changed the workplace for them she changed their working conditions she changed uh, the uh, the roles they were able to fulfil and I just love the fact they had their own um, their own little sort of team name they were the bizarre girls they literally went on tour I just absolutely adore that scene where they're painting in a shop window doing a essentially an early PR stunt if you like um, but very much as a team mm. so I just love the fact that we were able to show Clarice doing that and bringing up other women yeah. with her I, absolutely and our intention is not to be spiky but to ultimately entertain and to demonstrate an optimistic film that feels balanced but even just in that last part of the film something in we were always debating how to kind of balance the romance against this elevation that that Clarice has made in her career and it was a it was always something that we were struggling with a little bit because it needed to feel ultimately that the journey for Clarice is elevating the women around her but also it's really important, hopefully, that the audience understands that she's running the show now. And it's not that we're trying to say that women have to be the ones in charge and that we have to, you know, always be the boss. But I think it's important to see that she is not elevated just because of her romance, that there's something really uniquely important about a woman who can be in her own environment, in her own space, on her own terms, and be able to collaborate on equal terms and I think that's I guess the big feminist message of the film that you know we've spent quite a lot of time trying to nuance that because it yeah again we didn't want to just come in you know with a right hook but I think that was really important to understand she's the first female art director and that she ran the show and that's really good to know. (laughs) I think interestingly as as an aside I don't think she was that fussed about that she wore her achievements lightly you know there was a retrospective of her work in the early 70s just before she died and she couldn't understand what the fuss was all about and uh, wasn't that bothered and um, she didn't see what she'd achieved as anything particularly amazing but obviously looking from the outside in we can all appreciate what she did. If any of you I'm sure you have thought about what would she think of this film? God well you know I don't want to come in first uh, I'm sure you guys will something more eloquent to say but I one of our wonderful mentors Will Farmer who was really instrumental in sourcing original Clarice Cliff for us in the movie and was a consultant on the movie as well and as a huge expert on Clarice. I was was probably more worried, even more worried than how I would feel about Claire Pete watching the movie. I mean, I was a little nervous, Claire, before you watched it, but, like, I was worried about Will because he so loves Clarice. Like, he just has this passion for her and it meant a lot to me. I felt like if he liked the movie... (laughs) that I had succeeded in somehow capturing the spirit. But, you know, he was in tears when he saw the movie. He really loved it and he gave me the biggest smushy cuddle. I just think that was really important to me that he liked it. So I can't be arrogant enough to say that Clarice would like it. Maybe she would think it's 
silly. I don't know. What do you think, Claire? Um, I think she'd wonder what the fuss was about. And I don't, yeah. think, I don't think she'd be like, why would you make a film about me? But um, I think she'd like it. I hope she would like it, obviously. But I think in, in the moments of humour, I think she'd like it more because I think she, she was a really funny woman and uh, liked to have a laugh. So I think some of the funnier moments, I think she'd be like, yeah, OK, I like that but Amazing. To wrap up, I'd like to ask you all, actually, because um, I, as a film critic, have had texts from my friends going, hey, I've seen this film, The Colour Room, it's great, I loved it, blah, blah, blah. What kind of reactions have you had? Any any favourite kind of standout reactions that you had? Let me start with Claire Pete. Um, I just think that the pride from the people of Stoke-on-Trent, there's been so much activity on Twitter and I've got followers like from Stoke and around, you know, at, at all levels of society, just people really, really proud of, of the pot banks. And, and it's amazing that people have these symbols of pollution and industry as, as the symbols of things that they love. So they've got pot bank earrings, you know, pot bank jewellery and things like that, but because they absolutely love where they come from and they love seeing it on, on screen. And when I was writing it, I was really conscious that I wanted to make it a love letter to Stoke-on-Trent, but Stoke-on-Trent is really gritty and dirty. So I wanted to make sure that that was captured. And I think Claire McCarthy's done such a good job that, you know, Stoke is a really beautiful place, but industrial too. And I think the people of Stoke have reacted well to that. You know, we show it in its best and worst light. Thank you. That's lovely. Tambisa. Yeah, so um, I very recently just uh, really stuck with me just a friend who works for a development NGO who just said to me, oh, you know, I love the film. And also, you know, we always think change is so hard. But I think what your film really showed is that actually, if you do just put your mind to it, a lot can be done and a lot of people will come with you and they'll see that with you. And I was like, yes, <laughs> that's amazing. I love that. You know, for me, the every time somebody is inspired or, you know, I had a businesswoman, actually a young businesswoman come up to me after one of the screenings and say, oh, yeah, I was just watching that scene where she brings, you know, the bazooka. And I thought, what's my bazooka? You know, like if we can help a young woman launch her business, that's amazing (laughs) like uh, we used to say this to each other anyway like uh, Georgie and I and and Claire Pete and Kim McCarthy like just be more Clarice you know when you just need that spirit of kind of like let's not take no for an answer actually let's just keep going and you know um let's change things let's do it and I think that for me is what I really hoped for the film so to see it succeeding is is very exciting that's fantastic be more Clarice amazing Georgie anything stand out for you similar I guess yeah very similar and I think um, I'm really enjoying I'm not very much on Twitter myself but um, just over the weekend a couple of friends um, screenshotting reactions of people simply saying just watch The Colour Room it's the most uplifting film and I think um, you know that just really makes me smile on a Sunday evening Um, I feel like it echoes line from the film uh, the response to bizarre Clarice Tell her mum uh, you know they said it made them smile and I just think that's that's so great if you know as Tembisa was saying it's a film that um, can make you sort of believe in the possible um, especially in the kind of cold grim months of January and February then I feel like that's a lovely thing to have been part of so I really enjoy those reactions. Claire McCarthy let's finish with you um, what has filled you with joy when people have given you their reactions to this film? Well a lot of the things the girls are saying resonate I think, I hope, I mean, I know the film is very optimistic. It's probably the most optimistic film we've all made, but we felt it was a reaction to the time in which we made it and there needed to be some optimism and a lot of people seem to be very positive about the movie and I think that balance of the romance and the celebration of Clarice's uh, revolutionary spirit, one doesn't cannibalise the other and that was hopefully the, the thing that we really strove for was to find balance uh, and to feel like people could relate to it from a contemporary perspective and it seems as though those things which I think it's always scary making a period film because people always regard it as being somehow irrelevant 
but I think people have found a place in their hearts for it, hopefully, and, and see it as relevant to their experience, which I think is more than you can ever ask for as filmmakers. 100%. And thank you all so much for joining Girls on Film. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you all about The Colour Room. Thanks, Anna. And to Thanks, see Anna. your relationship together. You truly are all Girls on Film. Thanks for thank having us. Thank you all nice. so much for joining us. Thanks for having us, oh, It's Anna. so nice to be able to talk about it. Because mm-hmm. I think, you know, like we are, obviously you're all feminists, but I think it's really nice to just be able to focus on that for a second, you know, not to have to kind of build it into the Q&A, but yeah. to just be like, yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> let's talk about women. I was talking with Claire McCarthy, Claire Peet, Tembisa Cochran and Georgie Paget. You can watch The Colour Room on Sky Cinema now. Girls on Film is an HLA production, brought to you by executive producer Hedda Archbold, audio producer Benjamin Cook, assistant producer Shania Pithia and our partners for this episode, Sky Cinema. I'm Anna Smith and I was joined by Claire McCarthy, Claire Peet, Tembissa Cochrane and Georgie Paget. Thank you, lovely listeners. Stay safe. Well, I think that went rather well. What do you think, guys?